Welcome to another episode of Reviews and Done, your number one spot for R&B and hip-hop interviews. What's going on, world? It's your boy, Derek Dunn, back with another interview for Reviews and Done. My guest today is a producer, born Bernard Edwards Jr. However, you might know him as Focus. This man's worked with Dr. Dre, Eminem, Kendrick Lamar, Snoop Dogg, J-Lo, Beyonce, the list goes on and on. So I want everyone to give it up and welcome to the line, Focus. How you doing today, sir? I'm good. How are you? Blessed, brother. Can't complain. Um, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to uh, chop it up. You know, I can imagine with the uh, COVID being a producer, you know, you have a lot of time on your hands just to make tracks and go back and listen to tracks and all that. So thank you again for talking to me. No problem. It's an honor. All right, so let's go ahead and get right into it. So music heads know that your dad is the late Bernard Edwards, who co-founded Chick. How old were you when you attended your first studio session? Um, man, uh, I think the first time I got to go in with dad when he was working with Sheik was uh, eight. I think I was eight years old. And... um. I got to stay in the studio with him probably until about 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, and I remember it so vividly just because um, I uh, didn't have to go to school the next day. <laughs> so my, my father actually let me stay home um, because we were out so late. So that was uh, really a, a dope experience. Yeah, shout out to your dad, man, for making so many um, classic books from a freak out to – Dance, 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 the good times, you know, which music heads know was the basis for um, Sugar Hill Gang's Rappers of Light. So shout out to your uh, dad and rest in peace to Mr. Edwards. Thank you so much. So music, music's probably, you know, could say you were just born into music. Now, so growing mm -hmm. up, did you always want to pursue music from the time you, when you were eight, when you first went into the studio? I literally wanted to be in music since... I could put my hands on a 45. Um, my father had a real um, nice collection of 45s and a little stereo when we lived in Brooklyn. And, um, you know, my grandfather made me uh, a little 45 player. It was a fake one, a little steel box with a wooden spindle on it, and I could just put the 45s on there and spin it with my hands. So. I think I've only known music, and it's been my passion since I was little. Um, I knew at six I wanted to be in the music industry, and I knew at eight I wanted to be a music producer. So I, I honestly don't remember anything else I ever wanted to be. Cool, cool. So what would you say, you know, young age, obviously you're probably like me, you're, um, you're an old soul. What do you think <laughs> the first classic album you heard was start to finish the first classic album i mean there's so many but um the ones that have left um permanent imprints on my soul on my creative soul um songs in the key of life is probably one of my favorite all-time um albums from front to back um my mother 
was a Stevie Wonder fan and, and as well as my father. So um, they would literally just put his music on and, and that'd be cleaning day, you know. So um, Stevie is probably one of my fondest memories. And then right after that would be um, Off the Wall by Michael Jackson. It's one of my favorite um, all-time albums as well. Oh, yeah. Shout out to um, Off the Wall. And, you know, that's one of the debates that goes back between people a lot. And personally, I mean, I know Thriller is the mammoth, and that's like the album that people quote. But, I mean, for me, I always thought Off the Wall was a better produced album than, than Thriller. Phenomenal, yeah. Phenomenal, yes, yes. So, as we know, you know, eventually you started working with um, – Dr. Dre and Aftermath, how did you become, Mm -hmm. how did you get get to Dre's attention? I was working at the time with um, Omar Gooding. And, um, you know, that's Cuba Gooding's brother, um, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s brother, and that's Cuba Gooding's son. uh, Rest uh, in peace with, uh, you know, from Made in Greenland. So I was working with Cuba, I mean, Omar for a while. And Omar was doing a show called Smart Guy. And so yep. he brought me to the set, and I met uh, Jason Weaver. And Jason got to see what I did with Omar and his group. And um, we became really good friends, all three of us. And Jason started a production company in Atlanta called Bluetooth Productions. And he invited me to come out and be one of the producers uh, in the stable. And I, I moved out there. And I started working with the people that were on his roster, and one of them was a kid named Dax, and he was from um, Los Angeles. And Dre's, I mean, uh, Dax's people had ends with Dre. And so I did a whole demo with uh, Dax, and um, we were able to go out to L.A. and meet with Dre, get on the soundtrack, and the rest was history after that. Cool, cool. Shout out to um Jason Weaver, you know, I don't think a lot of folks really know just how talented that brother is from a musical standpoint. You know about from Lion King, we know about, you know, he played Young Michael Jackson, but his actual album, uh, 94 albums, that was a dope product. So shout out to Jason Weaver. Yeah, Jason is, is incredible and an, an amazing songwriter as well. So it's 1999, your career is trying to take off. When you co-produced tracks with Tricky Stewart, who later gained fame for working with The Dream for Soleil's debut, how was your experience mm-hmm. working with Mr. Stewart? Um, I love everybody over there. Um, at Red Zone, Tricky, uh, Laney, Bunchy, like those guys were probably the people that I connected with the most because they're so creative. They're so musical. Um, the entire family um, is just very, you know, they're very creative. And that's Jason's actual cousin. So we were all really close over there. You know, um, we spent a lot of time in that studio. So um, big shout-out to Red Zone. As a music head, I'm always curious if a particular song didn't end up with an artist, who would the second choice be for an artist? So if you don't mind, brother, you know, I'm going to take you on a trip down memory lane with some of your production credits. Sure. And I'd like to know that your second choice would have been for the song. So we're going to dig into the crates really quick, Mr. Focus. Okay. Up first is Christina Milian, Twitch. 
Oh, wow. Um, off the top of my head, I'm going to have to go with Nicole Ray. I had the chance to work with her, but she would have killed that record. Joe, get clunked tonight. I originally wrote that with Jason Weaver for Jason Weaver. So, Jason. <laughs> cool, cool. Tony Yayo, Project Princess. That's funny. Um, I don't know who else I would have had because I didn't hear it as a rap record. Um, I was really hoping that somebody would have sung on it. So it was dope that Jagged Edge was on it, but I don't know. I, I, that's a good one. You stumped me with that one. I think Jay, Jay might have killed that with a little uh, R&B uh, flavor to it. That was 06? No. 05, yeah, 05. 05, yeah. <laughs> so my age. <laughs> Exhibit kills remorse. Um, that could have been anybody on the West Coast. I made that record um, with the West in mind, so um, I would have loved if I would have got Dre on it. Um, I would have loved if I would have got Eminem on it. So yeah. Jennifer Lopez, Dear Ben, which was co-produced with Corey Rooney. Yes. Uh. I don't know. That's that's a good question. That record was just a really uh, that was me just going into my R&B bag. Um, maybe at that time I would have done it for Beyonce or or maybe a Latin artist. Cool. cool. I'm gonna throw a pop record in really quick. Christina sure. Aguilera, "Sex for Breakfast." Oh well, that I mean I wrote that with detail and um, Christina herself. So that one was pretty much curtailed to her. I really could not have heard anybody else on there. Maybe Pink? Maybe when Pink was doing R&B? Maybe. <laughs> and last but not least, Busta Rhymes, Do That Thing. <laughs> another. That's another uh, West Coast banger. I would have done that with Exhibit. I would have done that with, um, well, I love the fact that Buster took it, but um, just the camp, anybody in Aftermath would have rocked on that record. Cool. And see, folks, this is why you got to read the album credits, and this is why mm -hmm. I love the media, because focus, man, I didn't even get into his stuff with 50 Cent. I didn't touch on the stuff with Little Brother. I didn't touch on the stuff School Schoolboy Q, excuse me. I didn't touch on the stuff with mm -hmm. Marsha. And brochures, mm -hmm. like this brother's resume mm -hmm. is just it's crazy. So if you read your album credits, you would know all this. So read the album credits. Support physical yeah. media. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so you played a part in songs from, of two hits from R&B groups. One was 112, you already know, back in 05, mm -hmm. and the interlude on the TGT album. Mm -hmm. Now I'm an 80s baby, grew up in the 90s. But I truly mm -hmm. miss the R&B group. Because, you know, man, we were growing yeah. up, man. Like, every week it seemed like there was a new R&B group releasing a new album so much where it was hard to keep up. So from right. a production standpoint, in your opinion, what do you think happened to the R&B group? I think everybody wants to be the front man, and you can't have a bunch of people fighting for the number one spot in a group. Um, there's only one group that I can truly recall that has never broken up, has never done solo projects, 
and they're not even an R&B group, but it's De La Soul. And when you think about the fact that they've been able to maintain the three men as three black men, as three black urban entertainers, as rappers, you know, they've, they've never broke up. They never did solo projects, and they, there's a way to make it work, but I think there's a lot of ego, um, there's pride that plays a part, and those things really start to mess with um, something that, you know, if it feels like it, it's tricks, why break it? And I think a lot of people just they get in their own way. So even now, it's, it's very far and tune between to see any American national group um, survive past two years. And that's a shame, too, because, you know, like I said, man, growing up, you know, back in the day, there were just so many, so many groups. And even, um, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, mm-hmm. we used to always joke around, you know, my friends could sing and everything. I'm like, you know, hypothetically, if we were to start a group, you can sing lead all you want to, but I'm going to be doing something, coming up with the costumes or getting my pin game strong or something right. to make sure that I can always eat. Because if you ever go right. solo, like, you know, I'm not relying on you just so I can so I can eat. Like, you know, you got to have like, your own identity right. outside, of the, outside of the group. I think, I think a lot of people walk in the door, and that's not just with, you know, groups and, and, and just industry stuff, but in relationships as well. A lot of people walk in the door with a contingency plan, with a exit plan, with a, you know, what if this happens? And I, I, I don't think that people just pay attention to the blessing that's right in front of them. And a lot of these groups, like when you look at New Edition, they could have still been rocking, you know, but there was just so much pride, so much ego. And then when they finally came back together, it was like it almost felt too little too late. You know, um, the the pieces were broken into little broken pieces, you know. So it's like you want to be able to see the blessing that you're in and live in the blessing that you're in so that it manifests, you know. But that's just... Yes, sir. And, you know, I'm a hard New Edition fan, and, you know, I've talked to so many producers that said the same thing that you said is, like, it's mind-boggling why they didn't, you know, jump on that momentum from the miniseries, right. and they could have right. made a shitload of money. <laughs> like, you know I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I get it. Like, you know, they, they have their internal struggles. They, they have their whatever, you know, going on between them and all that. So it's like... I try not to judge, but right. if a promoter's going to offer me, like, a shitload of money, I can let bygones mm-hmm. bygones for a quick, you know, three or six months for two hours a night mm-hmm. and get this money and, you know, fake it on stage if I got to just, you know, just so I can ensure that I can eat because that tour they could have had post, you know, after the miniseries would have been their perfect little strong song to – you know, a career then said, like, you know, all right, we're done. You know, and then every few years we'll come back out and do a tour. It's a new edition, man. We'll wait on y'all to come back. You know, give us more yeah. and give us more, one more tour. I think so that, uh, I do want to add just to that, um, if you don't mind. Um, I think that if it costs you peace of mind, there's not a bag of money that you can give me. And um, sometimes you do have to look at just peace of mind. Is the bag worth it? And I think that um, that shows more growth than just getting on stage and shaking it. Because if you go crazy at the end of it with a bag of money, what does that do, you know? 
Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, and, you know, and, and I can see that too. And that's why you know I tell folks, even though I am a fan, and you know I want to see them, like you know, do that one little massive tour because I still don't think they've gotten their just due. But then I always defend and say like, what you were saying, like you know, we don't know what they're going through mentally right. and you know actually in <clears throat> internally. So you know, it's, it's a lot we don't see. So I mean, it's folks out here, you know, it's folks out here doing normal, you know, nine to fives that can't stand their coworkers, but got to go in every single day. So the right. average person really isn't in a position where they can just say, screw the job, I'm out. But, you know, singing and all that, you don't want, you know, that stuff to come out on stage and let the fans see what they have no business seeing. So hopefully one day, you know, we get that reunion. Yeah. So 09, yeah. you leave Aftermath, you know, but you're still out here making – Noise. 2014, mm-hmm. you returned to Aftermath. Right around the time, Dre's releasing Compton, which went gold. So how was mm-hmm. it going back to Aftermath and working on the Compton album? Um, well, I actually, I actually left in 2008. I came back in 2013. We just started on making music. And so um, Dre and I had a cool relationship, but then it was just really kind of getting to know each other after my, um, you know, my walk away and, and just getting myself together and getting myself centered. Um, and so we were just really trying to get to know each other again. One and two, I always worked for Dre. I never worked with Dre. So this is the first time I got to work with Dre. So going into that situation, um, I've always said this, it's been, it was very humbling because I've never collaborated um, in my career up until 2013. So that was the first time that I was in the room with a bunch of producers, um, you know, being directed. Um, it, was, it was very different, and it was, that was a very humbling experience. And then you start to know how to play uh, yourself in the room, position yourself in the room, and, um, you know, it, it, it was more rewarding than I thought it would be. Cool, cool. Yeah, Compton was actually a, um, a decent project. I think, you know, even though it went gold, I think so many fans were still hoping for, you know, detox. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. one of those um, things we just got to keep looking forward to. So I guess, you know, when Dre's ready to give us detox, he'll give us a detox. If, and if he doesn't, then, you know, he doesn't. No big yeah. deal. Yeah. So speaking of, you know, speaking of Trader Compton, I'm a big fan of musical biopics. Who's one story you'd like to see told on the big screen or in a miniseries format? I would love to, to get into a true biopic of, of Prince. Um, he's one of my heroes and one of my favorites, and, and Stevie Wonder. Um, I would really love to know the backstory on him. And not just in doc series. I, I do understand that they have... Um, you know, docu-series out for these people here. I would love to see it kind of just um, deeper, more personal. Yeah, and, you know, both Stevie and Prince, are, um, you know, they've accomplished so much and done so much. I mean, I think with Stevie, even if you just did the, um, you know, movie about Songs in the Key of Life and how, how he made that project, that in itself right. is, a story, not even going into the you know stuff in the '80s, not even going into uh, 
you know, stuff when he was a kid, but just you just focus on songs in the key of life and what he accomplished and what he went through to make that project would be a dope movie to see. And for Prince, you know, I've always said Prince's life is so expansive, but I would love to see something highlighting when he left Warner Brothers in the 90s and, you know, became the artist and how he was trying mm-hmm. to fight artist rights. I think that'd make a dope, like, court type of movie because, you know, he saw where we are now musically back in the 90s. So, yeah, it definitely right. would be dope to see. Right, right. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, you work with so many people, man. Like, I shouted them out earlier. Who's mm-hmm. left on your musical budget that's for you to work with as a producer? Uh, hmm. I would love to do some work with Mary J. Blige. I would love to do some work with Brandy. Um, and I would love to do some work with Jay-Z. So, you know, um, everybody else, every other goal that I've ever set for myself, I've had the blessing to uh, reach. So it's, it's pretty much whoever wants to work with me, I, um, I'm really in a place now to where I just want to really do passion projects. I want to do uh, work, and I want to work with people that want to work with me. And um, they appreciate what I do, and I appreciate what they do, you know. No doubt. And I want to hear a little bit about your uh, company. I don't I want to butcher the name. Is it in Vixen Entertainment? No, it's Envision, yeah. Envision, okay. Envision. Cool. Yeah. So I just, I like things that just look different, man. I'm a, I'm a creative, so I just don't, I didn't want to just spell it regular. Cool. So now you know we got we got to get into we got to get into a hard question. You know, so sure. another artist you folks might be surprised that Mr. Folks worked with is uh, he did a track for Damian Lillard on Damian Lillard's 2016 album. So you work with Damian, mm-hmm. man. You know, I gotta ask who are your top five NBA players of all time. Uh, I am the worst. I don't watch sports. I don't watch any sports. I I I know everybody likes to uh, jab at me for that, but all I do is music. Um, if I ever sit down and watch basketball, the only people I know are the people that you see outside of basketball, like LeBron James, Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe Bryant. You know, um, which you know really devastated the entire state when we we lost him. Um, you know, so it's just I don't I don't really get into sports at all. You know, I appreciate them for what they do, um, and salute. Cool, that's all. It's all about Brock City. I'm not. I'm not a sports fanatic myself. I mean, I just, um, you know, come the finals, like I'll watch it then. And you know, my mom's a uh, season ticket holder to the Wizards here in D.C. So, nice. you know, I go to a game like when it's a big game every now and again. So, like, I ask you uh, another joint. Uh, top mm-hmm. five Stevie Wonder tracks, then. Oh, wow. Uh, hmm. Wow. For me, uh, if it's magic, Sim When You Love, um, They Won't Go When I Go, um, Visions, and uh, With Every Beat of My Heart, not in that particular order. 
Yeah, man, Stevie's one of those ones. It's like it's hard to narrow Stevie, <clears throat> Stevie down because his catalog is so expansive. I actually had a chance to see him live in 20, I think it was 2014 when he did the tour for um, Songs in the Key of Life where he performed the album start to finish. And, you know, one of my favorite Stevie Wonder songs is uh, Rocket Love. And I yeah. can't even get mad at that, you know, he didn't perform that because he had, like, that album by itself, Songs in the Key of Life, is just start to finish. Like you said, it's full of so many gems. Yeah. Shout out to Stevie yes. Wonder, man, one of the all-time great. So before we yeah. close out, is there anything you'd like to add? And where can fans find you on social media? Um, just look out for my project. Focus Presents is coming August 1st. I have a bunch of the people that I love working with that I'm honored to know. Um, these are really near and dear friends of mine, and um, we just made some music. And I know right now everybody's in, um, under a lot of stress and angst and, and going through so much with um, not only the quarantine, but, you know, looking around the world and seeing the civil unrest um, and, and how they're attacking the people. Um, the best I can tell everybody is just to hold your head. Um, you know, the prophecy is unfolding, and um, I have love for everybody. If you need to reach me, I'm on Instagram. That's the one that I really am on, uh, and that's Focus, the number three, and spell out dots, D-O-T-S. Focus, the number three, D-O-T-S. And if you want to find me anyplace else, uh, it's all under that, Focus, the number three, D-O-T-S. But um, I always answer my DMs. I do have a lot of them, so you just have to give me some time to get to them. And... Um, you know, just look out for what I'm doing with my company, Envision. Uh, my manager, Diane Edwards, she has a lot of things going on, so look out for that as well. All right, folks. Well, I want to thank Mr. Focus for stopping by to uh, chop it up with us on Reviews and Done today. I highly encourage yeah. you guys to Google this brother, check out Wikipedia, and just check out some of the production work that this brother's done. And, again, I'm going to say it again. Read the album credits because you never know who's uh, producing work. And as always, you know, I like to close out with a quote. So in honor of Mr. Focus's artist, Stevie Wonder, I'm going to leave you with this. Just because a man lacks the use of his eyes doesn't mean he lacks vision. Stevie Wonder. Wow. Until the next time, done out. <laughs>